It's a bad world out there. So take solace in the word on Solace Radio. Just a reminder for those who are visiting with us, don't rush away. After the service, you're welcome to join us downstairs. We have what we call an Oneg Shabbat, which means delighting in the Sabbath. So we have some nosh tides, some food and refreshments downstairs, and we sit around tables, we visit together. So I encourage you, you know, those who are visiting, to, uh, you're welcome to come and, and be part of our, our Mishpacha for the day, and just have some fellowship together. We'd love to get to know you. And also, tonight is movie night at, at Beshekina. And so I hope that many of you will take advantage of this first time in two years that we've been able to have a movie night. So we're going to be, it's a youth, a youth event, so the youth are going to be putting it on. And we really want to support our youth because they're planning to go on a retreat in September. And so uh, come at 6.30. And the, the movie is called God is Not Dead. I know I'm preaching to the, uh, to the choir here, but it's a good uh, outreach, uh, outreach movie. And it's really... Um, and that's something that we, as, as God's people, are to be witnesses and to really share our faith. And so there's lots of people today that, that say that God is not there. He's not real. He, you know, many are atheists today. So uh, this will be a, a, a good movie. It was shown once before, but I think it's worth repeating again. Yeah. Don't eat supper. Well, a little bit maybe. But um, they're going to be providing some food, you know, this evening. So uh, and it's $2 a toonie to, for admission. All right? It all goes towards the youth. Also, um, we'll be having Lord's Table next, next Shabbat, so those who are live stream with us, you're welcome to join us on live stream. Just make sure you have the bread and the cup ready. You know, when we have our, our time together, when we bring the bread and the cup together. And then also, um, next week is going to be a little bit of a, a unique week. It's uh, actually Jan's, my wife's Jan's, her parashah, batot, which means vows. And so I said, Jan, why don't you give a message on vows? And so John's going to be giving a message. It'd be like her bat mitzvah message. Anyway, it'll be good. So I mean, you know, it's been a long time since John has given a message. So I think that you really be uh, you'll be blessed by hearing John come and and hear the other half speaking, right? Okay. Also, our prophecy studies continue every Wednesday evening. We're going through a bit of a review on the Book of Revelation, and so uh, we had a great study last week, and we're continuing on with some stu- review on. Book of Revelation, so hopefully you can come and take advantage of that, either by Zoom, it's in the update, you know, the link, you can join us by Zoom, or here, come in person, and then help us with the bread following our time together. And then also, just remember to remember your tithes and your offerings, summer months are always a bit of a challenge, but um, we just ask that you continue to be faithful in your giving, you know, so that we can continue to see God bless Beshekinah, that we can continue to meet needs among people, and and reach out to others who are in need. And just, of course, continue to pray for Leo and John and, and uh, Peter Wall. Um, and also uh, Kim McBride's uh, grandmother. She's 102 years old. She just had a fall this past week. And her in prayer. Okay, that's it for the announcements for now. And um, we're going to be looking at this week's parasha. And, you know, this week's parasha contains the account of Pincus, the son of Aaron, the high priest, who acted with great zeal. And when he, when he witnessed an act of immorality being committed between Zimri, the prince of the tribe of Shimon, and Cosby, a Midianite princess. You know, last week, Sparishah described how the Moabite king Balak hired Balaam, a Gentile prophet, to curse Israel. And three times Balak tried to get Balaam to curse Israel. And each time Balaam was prevented from doing so because God would not allow him to curse Israel, a people who God has blessed. 
And so three times, you know, so this is, the Lord said, how shall I curse whom, I has not, whom God has not cursed, and how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? I have received the command to bless. He is blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. And it says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. God did not change his mind when he established a covenant with Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless my people, I will curse those who curse them too. So God has, in spite of the fact that Israel has been a nation that has been in disobedience, God still has blessed them. And God continues to bless them. And regardless of what people may try to do against Israel. But you know, Balak was furious with Balaam. And he said, I asked you to curse my enemies, and yet you have blessed them bountifully. Balaam failed in putting a curse on Israel, but he was still determined to find a way because of his greed for riches and for honor. And so let me just read. Balaam said, so this is what Balaam said to Balak, and I'm just paraphrasing it. He says, if they can't be destroyed by sorcery or divination or by cursing them, perhaps they will destroy themselves through immorality and idolatry. Here's what I suggest. Take some of your Moabite women and the Baal Temple prostitutes. Invite the Israeli men to your feast. Tell them about the delicious food and the beautiful women that will be there. When they come to the feast, bring them, bring them some of your prominent, attractive daughters and have them seduce the men of Israel and invite them to worship your God. By doing so, this will assimilate them into your nation and you'll not need to go out to war against them. And so Balaam followed Balaam's advice. And Israel fell into this trap. And they were guilty of committing a sexual sin, bowing down to their gods, and they became bound to the Baal of Peor. Because of this, the anger of Adonai grew hot against Israel. And this was the Torah portion I read today from Numbers 25. And it goes on to say that, when, that, when, that Zimri, one of the princes of the tribe of Reuben, performed an indecent act when he publicly and shamelessly displayed his lustful behavior in full view of Moshe and the whole congregation of Israel when he went to the tent with this woman and performed the sinful act. And let me just read a portion from Numbers 25, 6 through 9, continuing on from my Torah portion for today. Numbers 25, 6 through 9. Then an Israelite man brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And when Phinehas, saw, Phinehas son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear through both of them, to the Israelite and into the woman's body. Then the plague against the Israelites were stopped, but those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. But Phineas was so zealous for the Lord's honor that he rose up and he took a javelin in his hand and he went into the tent and thrust both the man and the woman through with a spear into their bodies, killing them both. And so without trial, without due process, Pincus rose up as a court of one. He was a witness, he was a judge, and he was the executioner. And because of his, of his righteous zeal and stand, the plague was stopped but not before 24,000 men and women perished. You know, Adonai actually commanded, commended Pincus for his swift action in being the one to stop this plague. And it goes on to say in verses 10 to 12, Pincus, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the high priest, turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with me among them. 
so that I not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore, I, I behold, I give Pincus my covenant of peace. Now shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Rather than being punished for his zeal of taking the law into his own hands, Pincus was awarded with a covenant of peace. He was acting as a true high priest who was concerned about the holiness of God's name and his people. And Pincus did not act in response to a command from God, but with his own initiative, he took action and demonstrated that his zeal was genuine. He was fully committed in maintaining God's holiness and his honor. And that's why it later mentions in the book of Psalms 106, verse 30, it speaks to Phineas, and it says, And so Phineas stood up and intervened, and so the plague was stopped. It was credited to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. And so what can we learn, what lesson can we learn from this week's parasha? Now, are we being zealous for the honor of our God? Does keeping the Lord's honor and name in good standing mean enough to cause us to take action on his behalf? His holy name is being blasphemed and cursed every day. Immorality and sin abounds all around us. Now, where are the Phineases of today? It's a challenge for us. Where are the men and women who are, who are so zealous for the honor of God that they will stand up and take a godly stand for righteousness? You know, we are living in a very evil and immoral generation. You know, the LGBTQ agenda is doing everything they can to influence and reshape our values and our culture. You know, sadly, many people today flaunt their sexual sin in full view of others. And we, we tolerate and overlook it and we say very little. People who are engaged in sexual sins that would have been considered shameful years ago are now parading their perversion on the streets of our cities. You know, the, in, there's a scripture in Psalm Jeremiah 8 that's really kind of was speaking about Israel at that time, but it's true of us today as well. It says, are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to, how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen, and they will be brought down when they are punished, says the Lord. You know, gay parades and homosexual and lesbian marriages are becoming more fashionable and acceptable today. You know, the transgender agenda is the most recent perversion that is being promoted today. You now, the gay community is trying to redefine marriage, and the transgender community is trying to redefine male and female. The very fact that people today are asking the question, what is a man and what is a woman, is lunacy. And God made it very clear in Genesis 1.27. He said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created man, created him. Male and female, he created them. How much clearer than Adonai be? And so it's total insanity that people today are questioning whether they are a man or a woman. And many are going through the painful process of trying to change their gender. I mean, Satan has done a masterful job of blinding the minds of the unbelieving. So there are so many people today look so foolish in how they are falling into these traps. You know, also I talked about this a few weeks ago. The abortion issue is once again being hotly debated today by pro-abortionists who do not believe in protecting the rights of unborn children. Now, how appalling that 1.5 billion children have never had the opportunity to be born in our generation. Now, many sons and daughters have been sacrificed 
on the altar of inconvenience. It's not convenient to have this child, so I'll just kind of get rid of this little. See, every year over a million precious and innocent children are being murdered. You know, ancient times, pagan nations and even Israel sacrificed their own sons and daughters to God Molech by burning them alive. In Psalms 106, 37, 38, God speaks about this. Psalms 106, 37, 38, Israel sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood. The blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. They defiled themselves by what they did. The Lord was angry with his people and loathed his inheritance. God was not pleased when they sacrificed their sons and daughters. And God's not pleased today either. Even though we know that every child has been aborted, has a place in heaven. I believe God has a special place in heaven for all the unborn children. Because the number of children that have been sacrificed today far surpasses anything that any previous generation ever was guilty of. And sadly, our generation is becoming the most evil of all generations in human. It's comparable to the days of Noah. In fact, we are living in the days of Noah just as Yeshua said. Men are doing whatever is right in their own eyes. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And Yeshua said that one of the signs of the last days is that the love of many will grow cold. And because of the increase of lawlessness and wickedness, the love of, of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so when we, when we hear about all these things, we see these things, we witness these things, doesn't all that we, we are witnessing stir up a up righteous indignation in our heart? Don't you feel like sometimes you just want to scream because you see all this nonsense in the world today? You know, another major issue today that has caused tremendous controversy is a false narrative of climate change. My brother sent me a news article this past week that said, UN predicts disaster if global warming is not checked. A senior UN environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels. The global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. This news article is written on June 29, 1989. That was 33 years ago. They're still talking about today. I don't, I don't know of any nation that is what has been wiped out because of rising sea levels. You know, on the first day of, in office, I'm kind of, you know, on the first day of office, the first term on the agenda of our new mayor was to declare a, a climate emergency. You know, Calgary City Council voted 13 to 2 to declare a climate emergency. And then just recently, the City Council agreed to budget $87 billion for Calgary to be used to reduce carbon emissions and to go green. This is total insanity. The world is being deceived into believing that we are facing a climate emergency. The world's climate always has gone through seasons of change throughout history and throughout centuries. And there's no question that, we, that man is abusing the environment and man will be held accountable for his abuse of the environment. But I see a lot of these natural disasters, earthquakes and, and floods and so forth as part of the birth pangs that Yeshua warned about that would take place you know, at the end of days prior to his coming. Now, I don't want to paint a, a dark picture of our generation because there are millions upon millions of believers today who love God and are serving him faithfully. But the sad reality is that we're living in, in, in the end of days and the world is getting more and more evil and it's becoming more and more ripe for judgment. Shouldn't these things cause us to rise up and speak against the evil and the foolishness in our society 
Should we not be like zealous like Phineas and do our part in restoring holiness and righteousness in our generation? We're, we, are, we are so desperate for revival today. There's so much prayer for revival, and we are so desperate for, to see revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because that's really the only thing that's going to turn people's hearts back to God. Are we not called to be the light and the salt of the earth? We often wonder, well, what can I do? How can we practically speak out and take action? I'd like to, you know, Kim McBride's not with us today, but I'd like to commend Kim, who is now one of the national directors of Actions for Canada, which is the organization that's speaking out against all the social and moral injustice of our day. She's doing a stand. She's taking a stand, and she's making a difference. And then just, this, just on Friday, some of you may have heard that all the charges against Art Pulowski have been dropped. And his legal fees have, been, have to be paid back to him. And so what they did to him was illegal and was unconstitutional. And he's the one that took a strong stand, an extreme stand, during this pandemic, perhaps a stronger stand than most of us would, because that's the kind of person that he is. But I vindicated him, because he was willing to take a stand. He will honor those who honor me. And we've been studying prophecy in our Wednesday night studies, this, in this past week we discussed Daniel 11. And it says in Daniel 11:32, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and know and, and, um, and do exploits. Another translation says, the people who know their God shall st- stand firm and take action, and those who are wise will instruct many. In fact, it goes on to say, and Daniel 11, 30, 12, 3, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. You know, throughout the Bible, we read the mighty exploits done by the people of God. Hebrews 11, the great heroes of the faith. Let me just read portions of it. It says, what more shall we say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edges of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. See, Daniel 11 teaches us that the knowledge of God, combined with the strength that comes from the Spirit of God, is the most powerful an enduring force against evil in the world. As believers, when we see what is sacred to God and his desecration all around us, we cannot just sit idly by and do nothing. We must be willing to take a stand and take action, even if we have to stand alone. Even if nobody else around us is willing to stand, we need to be willing to stand alone. Because one day, we may be persecuted for taking a stand for righteousness. In fact, Yeshua told us, and he warned us, in Matthew 5, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And that's something that we may have already been experienced. People may have insulted you and, and said all kinds of evil against you because of Yeshua, because you believe in Yeshua. You stand for him. He says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, a body of believers that does not exist to, re- to reclaim heathenism, to fight evil, to destroy error, to put down falsehood, 
A people that does not exist to take the side of the poor, to denounce injustice, and to hold up righteousness is a people that has no right to be. Not for yourself, O people, do you exist any more than Messiah existed for himself. Strong words. Let me just share another quote from another man of God. He says, May our fight against all forms of immorality and our zeal to see every soul set free be tied to the knowledge that our God is a strong redeemer who fights for the vulnerable and the powerless. May we stand in awe of his wisdom and love the light and goodness that radiates from his holiness. May we love his word and stand firm on his truth and declare it boldly. May we listen and obey as he commands us to provide justice for the needy and fatherless, the fatherless, uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute, rescue the poor and the needy, save them from the power of the evil one. May we be like the great heroes of the faith who walk by faith and not by sight. This is why we need to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we have boldness to take action. We cannot take action in our own strength and our own flesh. We need the power of the Spirit to do it. So Ephesians 6 commands us to put on the whole armor of God as we battle against the powers of darkness. And they are raging today. The powers of darkness are raging today because know that they know that their time is running short. We all know that our battle today is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We are to put on the, told to put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, we will be able to stand our ground. The day of evil has already come. It's upon us. But it has not reached its fullness until the anti-Messiah, the man of lawlessness, is revealed. And that's when we'll see the fullness of evil being released on the earth today. But we need to learn how to stand our ground against the, the powers of darkness and recognize who our enemy is. Do you know that Paul did not lift every piece of armor in Ephesians 6? The Paul instructs us in Ephesians 6 to buckle the belt of truth around our waist, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to put on the sandals of the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We're to put on the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. We're to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and we're to pray at all times in the Spirit. But did you know that there's another part of our, our spiritual armor found in Isaiah 59, verse 17? Just take a note of that, Isaiah 59, verse 17. Isaiah is speaking of the Messiah, but it's true of us as well. And it tells in Isaiah 59, 17, He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on his garments, on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. Wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. Another translation says, he clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. The Lord said that vengeance is mine, I will repay. It's not our role to seek revenge upon others. That's God's job. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. But we can cover ourselves with a mantle of zeal, a cloak of divine passion. Because God is zealous, and he wears a zeal as his mantle, and he expects us to do the same. Because we have been clothed with his righteousness. We've been created in his image and likeness. God is a zealous God. He wants us to be zealous. So are you zealous and passionate for God? Are you wearing the mantle of zeal? And so we ask, well, what is the zeal of God? Well, zeal can be defined as a focused desire, a characterized by passion and commitment. Zeal is defined as eagerness, 
having a fervent desire and enthusiasm for the things of God. Do you have a hunger to get up every morning and spend time in God's presence, reading his word and in prayer? Is that something that you really hunger for every day? You know, I, I, you know, really, to be honest with you, I love reading the Bible. I can, you know, there's lots of other books that I could like to read, but I never get tired of reading the Bible. Every morning I wake up and I read the Word of God. That we need to have that hunger. That's part of being zealous for God. That we need to be wholehearted. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Zeal also means to earnestly desire something in a protective sense. You know, as a man is jealous for his wife, desiring not to share her in an intimate way with any other man, so God is jealous for us. He's zealous for his people. For Lord your God, I am a jealous God. That jealousy is for our protection. And he's protective and does not want us to share our love for him with false gods, with idols, with worldly distractions. If we are truly zealous for God, we'll be protective of his reputation and his honor. When I hear someone take God's name in vain, I cringe. I really do. Someone, I, sometimes I say, do you curse your mother and father? And they'll often say, of course, they, you know, of course I don't. Well, then why are you cursing my heavenly father and his son? A lot of people say things without even realizing what they're saying. Because that's become part of our culture, is to curse God and to curse Yeshua. See, nothing great in life is, is ever accomplished and sustained without passion, without zeal. Passion is what energizes life. It makes the impossible possible. It gives you a, a reason to get up every morning and say, I'm going to do something with my life today. Without passion, life becomes boring. And we become apathetic and complacent, which is really kind of characteristic of our age today, at least in North America. Many believers today have become lukewarm and comfortable. And the greatest example of zeal is the one who knows the Father best, that's Yeshua. When Yeshua went into the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers just before Passover, because they were using their, the house of God as a place of merchandise, Yeshua was angry. And he began to upset all the tables of the money changers and upset the religious leadership of the day. Yeshua was zealous for God's house and his honor. And yet later, Yochanan wrote his disciples, remember that, that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. You know, in this week's Torah portion, it speaks of Elijah who had just had this amazing encounter on the Mount of Carmel when he challenged worshipers of Baal, the God who answers by fire, he is God. And so after this amazing experience that Elijah had, it was very, very um, draining. He, went, he, ran, he ran out in the wilderness and he hid in a cave and he said to the Lord, I've been zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah felt all alone. He felt that he was the only one. And yet, in Romans 11, it tells us God has reserved 10,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Elijah was zealous for the Lord. You know, A.W. Tolzer once said, The fish that goes along with a current doesn't have any trouble with the current. But as soon as he starts to try and swim the other way, the current gets annoyed at him. Just as long as you go the way the wind blows, and follow the current trends, everybody will say you're fine and commend you. But if you decide to go God's way instead of the way of the wind and the way the current blows, they will say you're a fanatic. I'd rather be a, a, a zealous fanatic for God than live a life of apathy and to go the ways of the world. God's called us to be in the world, but not of the world. 
God's called us to be separate from the things of the world. The seal of the Lord, you know, consumed the early messianic community. In Acts chapter 2, it says, Their holy zeal resulted in the Lord adding to the numbers daily. They were fervent in preaching, in prayer, in fellowship, in heartfelt service. They walked in the fear of God. Many wonders and signs were being done to the apostles, and they were zealous in their love for one another. And they demonstrated tremendous generosity and caring and giving. The first century community exploded with new believers because they had a genuine passion and zeal for God. And that's what motivated them. Godly zeal should be a constant attitude of how we approach our spiritual walk. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's an expression of our love and our dedication to God. If we are truly zealous for God, we are to be protective of his reputation and his honor. We are to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and our strength. We are to be wholehearted. Whatever we do, do it wholeheartedly for the Lord, not as unto men. It's the Lord God whom you are pleasing. In the book of Revelation, Yeshua had a message to the seven congregations, and we've read this a number of times. And he walked among the lampstands. And what did he see? He had a message for each one of the seven congregations. He had something good to say, but he also had some concerns that he saw when he looked and observed these congregations. And to the congregation of Laodicea, which is the last of the seven congregations, which many say characterizes the body of Messiah today, which I believe is certainly a, a good case for that, because the body of Messiah today, for the most part, is lukewarm and complacent. And so he saw people who were lukewarm, who were cold, who had lost their first love, who did not know that they were miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And Yeshua said, those by love, I rebuke and discipline. And we should not be surprised when God disciplines us, because it's for our own good. Just as a father and mother disciplines their children, our Heavenly Father disciplines us We're kind of, when we're getting off track. And God wants to correct us. And sometimes that correction does not seem something that we like to enjoy, but it's something that is necessary to build character and to teach us how to trust in Him. But He said to them, and He shared this with, with most of the congregation, He says, Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. He was ears to hear, let Him hear what the Spirit says to Messiah's community. So we need to come to a place in our life, if we're not being zealous for God, we need to repent of our lack of zeal. And ask Adonai to fill us with his spirit so we can have passion and zeal to serve him. Every day, we have op- numerous opportunities to put our zeal for the word of God into action. We all encounter people in need every day of our lives. People that need to hear the word of God. We simply open our eyes. And look, that there are opportunities that God brings our way every day. So why are we not more zealous for God? When we reflect on his love and all that he has done for us, why are we not compelled to give everything we have for his name's sake? When God's zeal consumes us, we cannot be stopped. The song that we, you know, there's a song, the zeal of God has consumed me. And that's really God wants us to have that zeal because zeal is a fuel for our passion. And your passion provides the means to do the work of building his kingdom. I just want to close with a scripture from Romans 12, verse 10. It's actually part of this in, your, in the update if you have one. It's just really a challenge, Romans 12. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people 
who are in need practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. And do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with everyone. And do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, I, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So that's all a part of what it means to be zealous for God. To have be wholehearted and to have our love that's sincere and to be zealous in serving God and honoring Him when we have opportunity to take a stand for righteousness. And there's many opportunities all around us every day. We just kind of, sometimes we just choose to ignore them and not be bothered to get involved, but God wants us to get involved because He called us to be the light and the salt of the earth. Amen. So, Father, we just pray, God, that you would really challenge us. But you would really challenge us, Father, to really ask you to search our hearts. Or that we would really want to, we really want to be zealous for you. And I pray that would be the true of everyone here today. Lord, if we are truly a child of God, Lord, we really want to walk a life that is pleasing before you. Lord, forgive us for our complacency, our apathy. Lord, just tolerating sin and not taking a stand for righteousness. Lord, give us boldness to overcome the fear of man, because, Lord, that's really what binds us, is the fear of man and what other people will think. And, Lord, that's why we need to be filled with your Holy Spirit to give us power and boldness, to not be bound by fear, but to be bold and courageous and be willing to take a stand regardless of what the cost may be to us. So, Lord God, really challenge us, we pray, and help us, God, to really walk a path of holiness that we would, we would really desire to seek your face and hunger for more and more of you in our life, Lord, that we would really have a deep hunger in our hearts to serve you. That we would do so heartedly, Lord, that we would be involved in, in, in building your kingdom, even in this congregation, that there's so many opportunities for us to be involved and to serve you. And Lord, we're serving you not because of looking to other people for, for their approval, but Father, we're looking to you. We're doing it to please you because that's part of our spiritual walk, Father. And so God, challenge us, we pray, and help us to really walk in obedience to your commandments. In Yeshua's name, amen, Father. Messianic Radio for a spiritually hungry world. Speak to the Rock. Get answers for your life. Find out what's missing in your Bible and why. Solace Radio. Changing lives one heart at a time.